Hey guys, it's Kelly, and I want to welcome you back to the Unbroken Podcast. I know, I know, it's been a while since I have posted anything, but I promise I did not miss all of y'all. Sitting right now behind my mic, I'm like, oh man, I missed this so much more than I thought I did. I've been kind of struggling with learning how to talk and being able to talk, especially with dentures and let alone without the men. And I've needed to get more work done. So uh, I've kind of been up and down. I've been feeling depressed sometimes, a little bit of regret because learning how to talk when you have a podcast and all you do is talk is very difficult. And it weighs on my heart. It weighed on my soul, and I struggled. But I'm back, and I am going to be working on some things to turn this into a video podcast. Um, I feel like I talk about a lot of things, and I think if I could show things, it would be so much better. I deleted my TikTok account a couple weeks ago and oh god it was like the best thing I ever did I needed a push I got the push and I just did it but I want to continue my message just on a place that isn't as toxic as TikTok is I'm not quite sure exactly all the ins and outs of video podcasts so um It might take some time till I'm able to actually publish them. I'm probably going to use YouTube or something like that. But even when I am doing a video podcast, I'm going to be uploading the audio on all the major podcast platforms. So if you're the one that listens to me while driving to work, don't worry. You'll still be able to do that. Um... But a lot of changes are coming. I'm working on so many projects in my personal time and a lot of stuff that I'm very proud of, but not quite ready to talk about yet. But I I promise it's coming soon. I just, I got to get all my ducks in a row before I do that. Um, it is something that means a lot to me and something I'm... I've been looking forward to doing for a very long time. So very proud of myself and proud of the people that have been helping me. And I'm so unbelievably thankful. So the platform that I use to publish my um, episodes (laughs) that I upload them onto after I record kind of has been going through some changes, change of name and a whole bunch of stuff. And I got a couple of questions that I am so sorry it has taken me this long to answer. I did not know they were there until like yesterday, the day before. I don't know what the miscommunication was, but I'm thinking it's because of the changes that they made. So I wanted to answer those in this episode. And if anyone else has any other questions or ideas or topics that they want me to talk about in every description of every single episode, my link tree is in there. You can email me 
and find me on other social media platforms and I would absolutely love to answer questions and make episodes. So the first question that I had, um, and I'm not gonna say the names of the people to protect their privacy. Somebody had asked me to look into an organization and see if they were legit. Now, I reached out to that organization told them that I was going to be doing research for a podcast episode and asked a couple of questions. I never did hear back from them. So I'm not going to say their names just, again, for privacy reasons. Had they reached out, I would definitely say it. But I thought the best way to answer this was to kind of investigate myself and see if I could figure out if they were legit or not. So the best way to answer that question is just to kind of go over what I did. So I pulled up their website. They do say that they are a 501c3 organization, which is a nonprofit and tax exempt. If you donate to them, you can write your donations off on your taxes, whole bunch of stuff. Great, great nonprofits are just like amazing. They have to follow a certain amount of rules when it comes to how the money is allocated. So um, if you want to donate to an organization, you definitely want to make sure that they have that 501c3 status because it lets you know that the majority of the donated funds are going to what their mission is. And they should always have a good mission written on their website. If it's not something you feel comfortable with, but they mention somewhere different on the website, something that they do. If they have an email, you can contact them and say, hey, this is my name. I just made a donation. I want it allocated to this, not that. That's totally okay. And most places will definitely honor your request. Um, Now, as for the organization I was asked to look into, I did find their EIN number on their donate page. It wasn't anywhere else on the website that I could find. That's basically the employee ID number. And every business has it, whether they are a nonprofit, a corporation, anything. So I used that EIN number and I went on to the IRS's website I don't know what the actual address is. I just did search nonprofit IRS and it was like the first one that popped up. And I put the EIN number and nothing came up. So I put the name of the organization and nothing came up. I put it in a couple different ways that they have it on their website, like in logos and stuff. And I just, I couldn't find it. So I called the IRS and told them that I wanted to donate to this organization. I was not sure if they were legit or not and gave them the EIN number and the name of the organization. They weren't able to find anything. I tried calling back because in my history with the IRS, you don't always get the same answer every time you call. So the second time I called, it was a little weird but they asked for a lot, a lot of information, address, phone number, names, a whole bunch of stuff that the licensed 
or the excuse me the nonprofit would be registered to and I just didn't have any of that info so I did not get an answer I asked the agent you know if you can't find it in your system I mean is it fair to say that they don't have their nonprofit status and she said no and instructed me to contact the organization either through the phone number on their website or through the email on their website and ask them for their 501c3 status verification form. Every nonprofit is going to have that. Now, I had a friend do the same thing um, just to see, you know, different styles of how people did it. And she got the same answers that I did. She talked to the IRS. She also did notice on the IRS's website that it said they may be delayed. There was like some kind of disclaimer that anything after, I think it was like May of 2021, 2022, something like that. So I didn't really have my answer. So I knew where the business was registered. So I looked up the law in that state to see what their requirements are because every state is different. Some require you to have an LLC. Some require you to have a corporation. Some don't even require you to have a business license. Now, the 501c3 status is through the IRS. It is like really has nothing else to do. So it's kind of like separate entities. So I knew what state they were in. I went to the Secretary of State's website and I was able to search a business entity. And again, I did not find a business license for this organization. And in the particular state that it's in, you are required to have a business license for a corporation. I think after doing the little bit of research, I mean, I don't want to say these people are lying about being a nonprofit, but everything that I found is kind of leading like it's not a nonprofit with a 501c3 status. I had sent an email out asking for the verification letter, and again, I still haven't heard back. Now, I am kind of well-known for my podcast, and I think these people know who I am. No hard feelings between us or anything, but I don't know if that's maybe why they didn't write back because I said I was doing research for an episode. I, I mean, I don't know. It could be any number of things. But anyways... That is how you can find out. I do know that nonprofits are allowed to run without a 501c3 status and run as a nonprofit until the end of the tax season. And it does take, from what the IRS told me, about 90 days after they submit their application. So that could be one of the reasons why they... Um, don't have that stuff. So those are just kind of the things that you can do to kind of figure things out. Um, another question that I got was asking how to kind of tell if um, a TikTok account 
or a TikTok video is giving accurate information when it comes to sex trafficking. And there's a couple different ways that you can do things. So I had seen a video a few months back about a woman and, a, you know, she used the, um, the human trafficking awareness, sex trafficking awareness hashtags and said in the description she was almost taken by traffickers. Um, I guess she was at a restaurant or something, walked to her car. When she got in, she noticed that there was money on her car. Um, I think she called a friend out or something. So when I saw that video, I did a quick Google search and saw multiple statements put out by police departments warning that that was a carjacking tactic. And I mean, that went back like five, six years, these warnings that were put out. And I guess the thought is that if you get in your car, you start it, notice the money, you get out, and then the carjacker can then knock you out of the way and take your car. So definitely be careful. <laughs> Always be aware of your surroundings. But I did not find a single source that said that that was related to sex trafficking. And I know there's the zip ties thing and the, um, the flower on the window. In fact, Polaris Project posted to their Instagram, I believe it was last week, it might be, might have been the week before, that not a single victim story has ever started with a rose left under their windshield. So if a an organization that its sole purpose is educating about sex trafficking is saying this isn't it, then it is not sex trafficking. Now, there are people out there that will use these tactics for other things, but not for sex trafficking. And the best way to find out is to see if the anti-trafficking organizations have made statements. If their statements are saying that they've been investigated and found them to be false, then it's pretty good chance to side with that and that they are false. Again, always be aware of your surroundings. Now, if there is a rise in something all the organizations generally make statements about it. The rise in sextortion cases is, uh, it's just devastating what's happening with sextortion. And I plan on making an entire episode dedicated to that. Um, basically, from what I've seen is it seems that young males are being targeted. Um, but basically, they meet someone online, they groom them, manipulate them into sending compromising, compromising pictures, and then they try to blackmail them with them, threaten to release them to the public, to their families, get them to send money and things like that. But there are multiple places that you can find statements about it. So if there's a rise in victims reporting this is how things are and police that are doing these kinds of investigations and federal agencies, and I know some people don't trust them. I don't always have a lot of trust in them either, but 
when they are making arrests and they're talking to victims, they are going to make a statement if there's a rise in the way that they're doing things. Um, I don't remember where I read it, but it was, oh God, years ago, close to a decade ago, um, about them using children, the traffickers using children or young women as recruiters. And there was statement after statement from organization after organization. If there is a TikTok account that is dedicating their entire content and putting out tips, putting out um, definitions and things like that, always back it up, look it up. Um, you can Google it. You can go to the Department of Homeland Security's website. They have the blue campaign. There's just a lot of information out there. And just make sure that it's accurate. I mean, somebody can have, you know, anywhere between 50,000 to over a million followers. And it doesn't mean what they're saying is the truth. But one key thing, it, there is a huge community of survivors out there myself included and we are all trying to get the message out of the reality and the truth and the real face of what sex trafficking is if they are not joining one account that kind of looks a little crazy and may not be the entire truth and it kind of makes you question the authenticity of it and nobody else is siding with them or supporting them, there's a very good reason why. So those are just a couple of ways that you can kind of navigate through social media. And almost always, if it's a post, my sisters, cousins, boyfriends, moms, husbands, daughter, dot, 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 dot. Yeah, that's just something they found on social media. And it may be true, it may not be. But again, you can Google it, and you can always call the Human Trafficking Hotline and call your local organization, and they'll be able to give you information on that. Um, so the next question that I had was um, if I could talk about the process of grooming and how it is more common than stranger kidnapping, also, how it can come from a friend or um, someone else familiar to a person. So it was, it was either Shared Hope International or it was Polaris Project. My Insta is just like nonstop, nonprofit, so I kind of get them mixed up. And they put out numbers that over 80% of victims know their traffickers and the majority of those traffickers were family members whether it was like my case where it was my parents or other survivors where it was their husband their friend more likely than not it is going to be somebody that they already know yes there are snatch and grab incidences in this country they are very rare um, not saying they don't happen, but m more times than not, when it's that kind of situation, they're going to take someone that they feel is not going to be missed 
by anybody and also is going to kind of go willingly because they don't have to spend the time grooming them. So homeless people, addicts that are homeless, they're going to be targets um, in the snatch and grab senses. No one's taking anyone from Walmart. No one's taking anyone from Target. These are very heavily populated areas. And not just that, but inside the store, there is so many things that can be used as a weapon, like a can of soup. And you can scream, and I urge you to scream if you feel uncomfortable. Make the biggest scene that you possibly can because that's going to get people's attention around you. And whatever that person's intentions are that is making you feel creepy or is following you, they're going to turn the other way. Because nobody that is about to commit a crime of any sort wants people paying attention to them. So to explain the process of grooming, I can talk about my personal experience. I, after I had escaped my parents, it was, I want to say like five or six months later, a guy kept coming into my work and I thought he was a friend and he got to know me. He got to know the problems that I was going through, that I was homeless, had just escaped. At the time, I thought it was just abuse and a very toxic, dangerous situation and I was struggling with addiction and basically learned all my weaknesses and then gave me answers to all those weaknesses. I could go with him and stay at his mother's house. I would be closer to the family that I wanted at that time to keep in my life and that he would help get me clean and, you know, I want to be homeless. I want to be struggling and I could work at his friend's club. I'd have a job. He'd help me save and eventually get a place of my own. And I mean, <laughs> looking back now, I mean, it was too good to be true. And in most cases, when something seems too good to be true, it generally always is. So this was not a thing that happened in like a couple of days not even a couple of weeks, it was months <laughs> that this guy was working on me and grooming me. After a few, I don't want to call it dates because we weren't romantic, but he took me out to eat to very nice restaurants, took me to a couple of um, MLB baseball games, so many different really cool places. He would come with me to my friend's house and hang out, and it just turned into a friendship. And I just thought he had my back and that he was looking out for me. I was so alone at this time. I was terrified to walk the streets. I didn't have a car. He gave me rides everywhere. So I felt, like, safe with him. And that safe is in air quotes, obviously. But, um, I mean, looking back now, obviously, hindsight 2020, I see all of the red flags that I wish I would have seen back then. Well, we made the decision to go ahead and move to his mother's house. The night before, he took me to his cousin's house, and his cousin actually was trafficking girls through his house. 
and the quote-unquote main girl showed me her closet, let me pick out a bunch of purses that she didn't use, pick out clothes. Oh, God, the most adorable pair of boots I've ever seen. Um, shoes, everything. And she worked on me, telling me, you can have all this, and they will protect you. They will make sure that nobody treats you bad, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, and so forth and so forth. So, I mean, at the time, it seemed like a great idea. Now, a couple weeks after we got to his mother's house, which was many states away, we were on our way back to where I grew up and we're going to visit one of my aunts and have dinner there because, again, this was just one of my really good friends. He was on the phone with his cousin and said what we were doing and his cousin was like, no, absolutely not. Do not take her to her family's. She w they will not let her leave with you. And it was like... I could feel the blood draining out of my body when I heard him say that because that's when I realized as much as I thought I was there and everything that was happening was of my own free will and my choice, I realized that it wasn't. And it was because of the grooming. It, it is mind manipulation, psychological abuse, they will do and say anything that they can to get you to go willingly and make you think that it's a choice that you're making for yourself when the reality is they've already made that choice for you and they have been pushing you and pushing you towards that choice. Another example of grooming, when it comes to teenagers, um, let's say... There's a girl that's 16 years old in high school, getting bullied, has very strict parents, borderline abusive, meets another girl online, starts talking, and builds a relationship. And this relationship can go on for years before this person that is recruiting and grooming them makes that attempt. And it could sound... Something as simple as, listen, why don't you just come live with me? My parents are cool with it, and they don't have as many rules. I know you're so unhappy, and the little girl goes, and she trusts this person and then gets taken into sex trafficking. These are the most common way by a lot, by over half, by close to 100% on how people are taken and there are a lot of signs that you can look for um, when it comes to family members and they're very similar to um, like sexual abuse and things like that a favorite child they spend extra time with always take that child out and you know to movies and things like that now that can happen and it's not trafficking, it's not abuse, but those are just the red flags that you kind of have to look for. So at the end of the day, I don't agree with stranger danger being taught to our kids, taught to other women. Everyone in our lives is potentially dangerous, and I know that's scary and absolutely terrifying, but it is a fact, and we cannot 
shelter ourselves and shelter our children away from all the scariness. We have to address it and find good safety techniques. I mean, I know I've got wasp spray all over my house. I've got other things to protect myself that if anyone ever tries to come into my house, I'm, I feel pretty confident I'm going to keep myself safe. The, my local police department knows I'm a survivor, knows that they're still trying to make contact among other people and are fully aware of every, everything that's going on. And I work with the same police officer. And the last time I talked with him, he's like, your paper trail is getting to be very thick at this point. So if you have someone that makes you feel kind of sketchy, but they haven't really done anything, you can call your local police and file a report. Um, it doesn't have to lead to charges. Even just the phone call will have some kind of number attached to it. Keep that paper trail because that is going to help in the long run if something dangerous is happening. And... If you think someone in your family is hurting um, either one of your children or your niece, nephew, cousin, whatever, talk to them and don't be like, I can't think of the word, but um, don't be like, hey, are they sex trafficking you? Are they hurting you? Because they might shut down. They could have been threatened that they would have their families hurt, their parents hurt, themselves hurt, and be scared to talk about it. But don't be afraid to call the authorities in. In any situation, don't be afraid to call the authorities in. More police departments than not these days have sex trafficking task forces that know how to handle all of this. And they know what to do, they know how to talk to them, and they know how to handle everything. So if you feel like it is out of your realm or scope or whatever you want to call it of capabilities, don't be afraid to call someone else in to investigate. I, as an advocate, am a mandated reporter. And in the 10 years that I have been an advocate, I've made thousands of reports. And it is exhausting, I know, but the reporting system is there for a reason. And I know a lot of people don't trust a lot of the places that you report to, but I hate to say you really have to make it anyway and hope for the best. But in more, in more cases than not, it is going to be helpful to get someone's eyes on the person that you're worried about, whether you think they're a victim or a perpetrator. Um, so there is... A lot of information about grooming online. I mean, if I put links in here, there'd be like a thousand. So definitely look online and read about grooming, read about recruiting and things like that. There's a lot of information about that. And again, that's going to be pretty much the, the most likely way that someone you know, or yourself will be taken into trafficking. Um, I think I talked about it in an episode. Um, I may have, or 
it might have been just a TikTok video. I know I did do that. Um, I was at a club once with my ex-husband while I was still under the control of my parents. And a guy came up to me at a club and said that I was beautiful and would make a great model, handed me his card. I said to my ex-husband, who I was dating at the time, I'm like, I am not 5'7". I am too short to be a model. Like, go with me, <laughs> you know, because this is bullshit. But I really want to see what it is. And... They had me walk down this makeshift runway. It was in like an office building kind of thing. And I was great. I was great at it, but I needed a little work on my technique is what they told me. So they wanted me to go to their school and I would live in a dorm with other aspiring models, yada, yada. It was a scheme to take me as and put me into trafficking. I obviously reported it to the proper authorities at the time. Um, that, like, as weird as it is, it's like I was almost kidnapped by traffickers when I was being trafficked, but I knew that they were traffickers, but I didn't know I was being trafficked. And that's why it is really important for us to get that message out there that it is family, it is friends, it is spouses, it is so many people close to you because while I was in the thick of it being trafficked, I knew that they were traffickers trying to take me, but I had no idea that I was being trafficked. It's really weird, and saying it out loud sounds even weirder than it is. So moving on to the final question. Um, it is kind of personal, but I don't mind answering it, and they wanted me to talk about the heartbreak of my first love and when I tried the best but nothing was good enough. I I absolutely love my husband and he is the love of my life. But that doesn't mean that there weren't ones before him. I actually dated a guy after my ex-husband and was with him when I escaped. And a lot of things happened in the months after my escape and the months leading up to it. Just so much chaos. And it was, uh, I realized with that relationship that there was no salvaging it. I had lied because of my addiction, um, because of the things that my parents were doing. And there was a lot of tr distrust. Um, and even about a year later after I escaped, actually over a year, um, it was still there. And I fully acknowledged the problems in the relationship. And it did. It destroyed me. I wanted it to work so bad. And I... I just realized it never was going to, and I didn't want to do that to him. And it was one of those, I love you enough to let you go situations, and I love you enough to want you to be happy even if it wasn't with me. The At the time, I wasn't healthy enough. I was still in crazy fight-or-flight mode, and I I was just... 
I was not okay on a lot of levels. So I wasn't ready to be in that relationship. Now, fast forward a few years after I had healed a little bit, I did meet my husband and we talked so much about my past. I told him things that I never told anyone and I just trusted him with the truth of everything. And I didn't feel that shame that I felt when I would talk to people that didn't know about it, like advocates or therapists. And he just was so supportive from day one. And it was kind of weird. We actually met on the two-year anniversary of my escape. So I was like, sign. Um, but... I don't know if this person is asking because they are in that situation and or have been in that situation. So if that is the case, you know, relationships, they come and go and they work and they don't work. And as survivors of any kind of trauma, it's important that you trust your partner and when I say trust, you trust that you can tell them everything that you want to and that they're going to love and support you and make you feel safe and loved. And um, the one cool thing about my husband is he knows that I sometimes see things in a different way because of my trauma. I still struggle with expressing anger and receiving anger, which I work on with my therapists all the time, and I've, I've come a long way. But he understands trauma responses. He's looked it up. He's done research about it. I'm not saying you have to, like, force someone to do that. But the right person is going to want to do that without you, ha like, even having to ask them. And I got lucky when I got my husband. Um, when he asked me to marry him, well, I mean, scratch that, he actually didn't ask. But when we got married, it really was one of the happiest days. It was a huge thing for me um, because I, I knew he wasn't going to break my heart. And my heart is in good hands with him. And I'm not saying our relationship is perfect and our marriage is perfect and it hasn't had ups and downs like every other marriage, but he always comes back and he always sticks around. I don't know why, because like, I don't think I would. I am crazy sometimes, <laughs> but he's a good man. And the first love of my life is a good man too, but he didn't... He didn't deserve me in the way that I was. But I realize that now. I didn't always realize it at the time that we were together. And this was, God, like 12 years ago, 13 years ago. So it's been quite some time. So that is all for the questions. I'm going to be posting over in the next couple of days a follow-up episode I did with my absolutely amazing and beautiful daughter talking about social media and the anime fandom community. I, 
I know that our episode is kind of geared towards anime fandom, but it's really good advice and things to learn about all kinds of social media, gaming, pretty much hits every topic. Even though we talk about anime, basically, she's a little bit obsessed. But um, I hope everyone checks that out. I am so proud of my daughters. They are amazing, beautiful women. And um, I don't think they are listening. But if you girls are, I love you more than life itself. You saved my life and gave it reason. And um, with that, I'm going to let you all go. I'm going to be making more episodes and posting them more frequently. Um, I've kind of worked a nice little schedule out to give myself some time to do things. I feel like I am scheduling conversations with my friends because I'm just so busy all the time. But I love y'all. Thank you so much for all the continued love and support. Thank you for being patient while I found myself again. And I do plan on making an episode about the journey that it took to find out who I am. And I hope y'all have an amazing, amazing night and weekend, month, year. And also happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Um, I hope y'all have the day that you want to have. Me, I'm choosing to nap all day. And that's what I do every year because mama needs some sleep. So have a good one, guys, and I will talk with y'all soon.